0: So TIO2 is, is maybe becoming the overarching story of 2022, probably 2023 at this point. <laughs>
1: It's Mark. Thanks for joining me today. With me today on my podcast is Clay Fenstermaker. And Clay is the Vice President of Manufacturing for Dunn-Edwards. Dunn-Edwards is a left coast paint manufacturer. They primarily work in the West and the Southwest of the United States. They go about as far as Texas. And they're a hybrid. They have their own company-owned stores, about 150 of them, as I recall, as well as independent dealers through that area. And also, if I'm not mistaken, they sell in some of the national chains as well. The reason I wanted to have clay on is as we were putting these together, and I have a producer help me put some of these together. My producer, Jerry called me and said, "Uh, you got to have clay on he's the most you know, straightforward guy that I've spoken to as it relates to things like shortages and inflation and stuff like that. And i had been looking to have somebody like that on. I've been doing a lot of writing about what's happening in the industry as far as inflation goes and ongoing shortages. It's nice to have somebody step up and back up some of the contentions that I'm making. And so Clay is really straightforward. Unfortunately, the news that he has is not good for paint dealers. I think it's likely that we're in for a sustained period of continued shortages, as well as inflation in the price of paint. We talk about how some of the resin shortages have abated, but there are still continued shortages with the other chemicals in paint, not resin related, that are struggling to get out to the paint factories. And now, of course, the war in Ukraine and Russia, two very large uh, titanium dioxide producers throwing the titanium dioxide market into disarray. I think it's likely that uh, paint dealers are in for a sustained period of inflation in the price of paint. So give Clay a listen, uh, like and subscribe, reach out to me, reach out to me if there's a topic that you want to see me cover. I'm always looking for good ideas and enjoy my conversation with Clay. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today. With me today on my podcast is Clay Fenstermaker. Clay is the Vice President of Manufacturing for Dunn-Edwards, that's the Los Angeles paint manufacturer. Clay, how are you this morning?
0: Great, Mark, good to be here with you.
1: Yeah, thanks for making the time. And Dunn-Edwards, we had talked a little bit about during our prep, is no longer an independent company. You guys have a larger ownership principle. Who is that?
0: With uh, Nippon Paints, which is uh, based out of primarily Asia, and uh, they're the fourth largest paint company in the world. And have been a, a great partner for Dunn-Edwards. They were looking to get into the architectural market here in the U.S. and have been a uh, you know, partner supporting us in expansion efforts here. Do they talk at all about their expansion plans into the rest
1: of the United States? I know that you guys are mostly headquartered in the West right now.
0: Yeah, you know, we're really headquarters in the West, focused in the Southwest, primarily serve uh, five states. Uh, we do have an extensive dealer network, though, that uh, that branches out uh, through a dozen states right now. Uh, also, internationally, we sell uh, out of 13 different countries. But, you know, right now we're we're focused a lot on some organic growth and looking at other partnerships and and routes to bring a product to market.
1: And so why don't you tell us a little bit before we get into our conversation of of your path in the paint business?
0: So I joined Dunn Edwards back in in two thousand and nine, uh, and you know a little bit uh, back on Dunn Edwards uh, in two thousand and nine, quite a turnover within the company. Carl Alter got, came in as CEO. I rolled over a, a lot of the leadership and recognized that the uh, manufacturing capabilities here didn't match the the name brand and the performance of the products that we had. So opted to uh, to just reset the whole manufacturing systems. Uh, meanwhile, Dunn Edwards hadn't opened a new plant since the 1970s. Uh, and I came in uh, with an automotive background doing international plant startups. So I was uh, recruited to come in and uh, Help start up this new paint plant where I'm currently sitting in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, really the goal of just revolutionizing, bringing in a lot of new technologies and automation into paint making and bringing it, uh, you know, well into the 21st century here.
1: And so you guys said that you distributed to about 15 states as well as internationally. Are you selling to independent retailers in all those states? Are those your own stores? What does your distribution model look like?
0: Yeah, So we go uh, primarily through our own stores. That's definitely the the bulk of our sales. We're at about 150 stores in five states right now. We reach uh, north into the Bay Area in California, uh, get into the edge of Texas in El Paso, kind of give you a feel for where we're at, primarily right right down in the southwest corner of the uh, U.S. And how far out
1: from that is your dealer base? Is it that same general distribution area?
0: Yeah, primarily. I mean, we've, we've got them scattered a little bit. I think uh, probably Kentucky is our farthest east. We get up into uh, to Montana, Wyoming, you know, certainly, uh, you know, open to other opportunities that are out there. But, you know, that's where our, our sales force is at. And uh, the knowledge and experience of our sales force is, is one of the strengths that we can offer to dealers. So just a, a nice fit to be in that region. And do you, do you have paint available? That's the that's the
1: <laughs> question that dealers are asking me. You know, when they ask for the name of a manufacturer, just give me the names of people that have paint available.
0: Yeah. It, so it's a, it's a nice change to actually have some paint. And that has been the name of the game, certainly for at least the last year. If you don't tack in all the headaches of COVID that came on before that, you know, we're certainly getting stocked back up. Not entirely okay. back to, to where I want to be, but, uh, but things are coming together, which is a, a nice change over these last couple months.
1: Well, good. So let's talk a little bit about the shortages. One of the reasons why you're on the show with me today is my producer, Jerry, who uh, helps me put these episodes together, said that you were as direct and straightforward and honest as as any paint executive he had spoken to about things like shortages and other things that you guys were discussing. And so that's why I thought, well, let's get this guy on. So let's just jump right into it. What can dealers expect as it relates to shortages in the near term?
0: It's become a scattered challenge right now. I think, you know, as as things really kicked off with winter storm, Uri back in Texas, it was really a resin issue, but really that storm was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. There were so many challenges, so many problems in the global economy at the time that just pushed it over the edge. And it's kind of been followed by one thing after another since. But I would say as far as what to expect, there was just this this very broad pressure on resins, which obviously affect every single product you make for paint. Since then, it's become a, a lot more targeted and scattered and a changing game on a regular basis as far as what the challenges are. You know, a variety of additives that have come under pressure, which hit different products at different times, transportation looming over everything. And then certainly the latest one, the war in Ukraine, bringing a lot of pressure on certainly anything coming out of Europe. And you've also got to look upstream at supply components to products. Even if you get something domestically, they're bringing in some component from Europe uh, that's causing problems. I guess a, a wandering answer to say there are a lot of different things going on and a lot of challenges still present. But, you know, there is paint out there to your original question.
1: And so one of the things I've heard from a number of the manufacturers that I've spoken to is, is what you alluded to before. I'd love to talk about that a little bit, which is the general availability of resin, but difficulty finding the one or two small pieces that you need to finish products, which is why sometimes it seems like companies can be out of one particular product or type of product for so long.
0: You know, one of our products gets a resin uh, with precursors and ex- some finished resin out of Germany, and they've got all the energy uh, crisis going on there with uh, the reduction in Russian supplies and have been far behind. So uh, we've got one product line that's heavily challenged right now. A other things are coming back together for us.
1: Because you have the 39, you have 39 of the 40 ingredients that you need to make it. And listen, all, all of a sudden, number forty becomes very important when you can't get your hands on it. You got it.
0: That's exactly exactly the
1: problem. And Or you mentioned briefly the war in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, anybody watching this today? This is being filmed on the twentieth of April. If you're watching or listening right about this moment, the, the town of Mariupol is is about to fall into Russian hands. And if you watch the news, the last bit of land that's in control of the U- Ukrainians is a steel facility that's four square miles. And I, I look at that and I think to myself, well, that's your TIO2, isn't
0: it? Yeah, and, uh, certainly there's some TIO2 that, that comes out of the Ukraine. You know, they supplied 40,000 tons a year. You know, you can look at the big picture. Some of that is offset. Russia was importing 25,000 tons and uh, that's uh, not yeah. being supplied anymore. Uh, you know, beyond some of the TiO2 production, uh, they supplied quite a bit of uh, chloride ore to manufacturers here in uh, North America. So that's some more strain on TiO2 from that angle as well. So TiO2 is, is maybe becoming the overarching story of 2022, probably 2023 at this point. And, and that is the one ingredient that cannot
1: be worked around, correct?
0: Uh, well, if you really like selling those deep colors... Uh, so hopefully, I uh, make a push for those uh, dark blues and reds, and we'll be okay. Right. Other
1: than that, to your point, there's there's not a workaround like some of the other chemicals. You you can find replacements, or even in the course of six months of lab time, you can maybe create a replacement that works. But TiO two is irreplaceable, correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you know, there's some some minor offset opportunities to try to stretch out what you get, but uh, you're you're very accurate. You you're dead in the water without TiO two. And
1: so with that in mind, what what are you expecting as far as inflation? Because that's what shortages, you know, obviously create. Uh, So what are you expecting as as far as inflation goes in the price of coatings?
0: Unfortunately, I don't have any good news to share, Mark. You know, I, I just keep getting bad news from my suppliers in terms of price increases on a regular basis. Unfortunately, I don't see the end in sight right now. Uh, You know, you can talk about, is there going to be an economic downturn or something like that to slow things down? But until inflation comes under control, which, again, all those supply pressures we just talked about, they just keep continuing.
1: You know, I spoke to uh, somebody I know who went to the ACA show in Indianapolis. I don't know if you were there. And uh, he he was sharing that from about the time of the storm in February, Yuri, uh, to the end of, to the last quarter of 2023, they expect inflation on the uh, wholesale price of a can of paint to be about 50%. That's over about, you know, whatever that is, there 10 quarters or something like that. And I heard him and thought to myself, this, this guy's nuts, like that's not going to happen, it's too much. And then the very next day, rust announced a 28% price increase.
0: A huge one out of them, we, we carry their products as well. and uh, yeah, we, okay. yeah. Shocker. I think they hadn't done much on the way up until that. So uh, there's a lot of people have been doing quarterly increases. They hit it all at once.
1: But 28%, you know, it hasn't been 10 years since their last price increase. You know, maybe it had been two or something like that.
0: Right.
1: And so what can dealers do to sort of uh, mitigate the effects of that? Is there anything that dealers can do to mitigate the effects of that?
0: You know, I, I think some flexibility in, in products that are being carried is going to help on the supply side. Uh, you know, prices is, is really broadly hitting across the board, though. Uh, so, so hard to mitigate price. But, you know, in terms of supply outages and gaps, looking at alternate products can be carried. Uh, you know, container sizes, uh, you know, maybe ports aren't available, but uh, have your have your gallons available and be ready to sell uh, five singles if you can't get fives or something. And, you know, it's interesting, too, <clears throat> the
1: point you were making before about, you know, sort of these rogue ingredients that could put an end to a product line. Those rogue ingredients are not necessarily the same at every manufacturer. Products have been formulated differently. Products are available in the marketplace. Raw materials are available in the marketplace differently. And so retailers may find that Dunn-Edwards is out of, you know, a particular you know, satin finish interior enamel, but Benjamin Moore has one extremely similar to that, or vice versa. And it's it's really just because of that. You know, one product is made with an ingredient that's not holding up the supply chain at the moment. For
0: sure, for sure, and logistics play a big part in in what's available as well. So certainly having uh, you know a diversified supply base, you've got a couple different manufacturers to call on, and hopefully one of them can help you out with exactly the product you need. And are you
1: seeing that, uh, among your dealer network or are you seeing your dealers spread out beyond just buying from you guys and, and spreading the net a little bit wider?
0: Well, I I think it's been tough to uh, add uh, a new supplier, I guess, a new manufacturer. If you're the dealer these days, because everybody is relatively sold out. I think it's been, been easing lately. Uh, you know, we've had a, a couple more inquiries lately and, and been bringing new, new dealers into the fold and, uh. You know, welcoming and supporting them, but it is a, a tough time when uh, supplies are tight. You want to make sure you're protecting the the loyal customers you've had for a while. And for you guys, you're in a really tough
1: spot because you have a dealer network and your own stores, and so you know you need to balance the responsible the responsibilities to both channels, right?
0: Yeah, and I think we've been most successful when we're able to work closely with the dealers and really understand what are their inventory levels. Uh, You know, I like to see paint end up on walls. So I want to ship a whole bunch to one of our stores to have it sit there in a back room and not get sold. And at the same point, if it's going to sit in the back room at a dealership, I'd rather put it into a store and get it sold. So understanding inventory levels and balancing that way has, has been our way to work through this.
1: And what about demand in your stores? I don't know if that's a part of the business that, you know, you stay closely involved with. But a lot of the problems that are facing the paint industry right now, some of them are caused by shortages. And we talked about the resin situation and you talked about TIO2 uh, now. But, but part of the problem is, is demand, right? The industry was, was designed to make 100% of its needs. And all of a sudden, 130% showed up and said, you know, I, I want the paint.
0: Yeah, and I guess fortunately here, as far as uh, capacity, you know, when we built this plant uh, back you know, just over 10 years ago now, we built it for growth. So, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to have plenty of open capacity. It's getting the raw materials to utilize that capacity there is a is the challenge on my personal end. You know, and then as far as demand currently, you know, it's been really heavy the first quarter, and a lot of that has been restocking. And I think yeah. uh, not only is, is everybody trying to restock, Certainly, we have good visibility in our stores, but within the dealer network that we support, I think people are realizing the supply chain is fragile and trying to to restock plus and get a little bit extra to to cover the bumps that are coming up.
1: Well, buying toilet paper during a pandemic, right? I mean, it's basically the same thing.
0: There you go. I'm trying to make sure nobody's got 20 rolls of toilet paper in the back room, you know.
1: And so how are you, how are you managing that process with your dealers? Are you allocating materials? How is that working?
0: And, you know, fortunately, the last quarter, it's it's been pretty much wide open. You know, we've been at a restocking point. I think you go back to Q3, Q4, uh, even back to Q2 or last year. And uh, know we were trying to understand, you know, what what are your inventory levels? Usually look at days of supply. How much supply do you have of this product for something that's got some some regular flow to it? And, you know, if somebody really had a critical need, hey, we're going to run out of this in in two weeks. You know, we'd prioritize getting them covered and and trying to avoid the outages there.
1: So tell Um, me, what is Dunn Edwards doing right now to help their dealers uh, manage these shortages?
0: really relying on uh, you know our sales force their knowledge their experience to help addressing any challenges that come up you know we've always had a lot of technical knowledge and now our our sales guys are really helping when needed with offsetting products replacements and communicating back you know i talked about understanding inventory levels and we're we're counting on our, our uh, sales folks to bring back that information of where there really is a critical need and we help to address that and get get product to the dealers when they need
1: it so that's a great place to end it, Clay. Thanks so much for being on my show. Why don't you tell dealers how they can get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Sure. You
0: know, you can reach me, uh, you know, it's clay.fenstermaker. If you've got that, uh, that name in the notes there at dunedwards.com, Dunedwards Edwards, all one word. And, uh, you know, we'd be happy to find some way to help you out with any of the challenges that you're facing. All right. Well, thank you so much for making the time. Clay Fenstermaker, Vice President
1: of Manufacturing for Dunn-Edwards. I appreciate your time this afternoon. My pleasure, Mark. It's been great talking to you.